And the Oscar goes, goes to, to Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Throw some ideas around. See if you know anyone else has like a theme they had in mind or something they've been thinking of. Or... What about a Pixar themed shower? And I, uh, I'll just snowball on top of that. Also, Fight Club. Fight Club. Fight Club. Female Fight Club. We pull in. We grease up. Surprise. Female Fight Club. She's not going to forget that. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Female Fight Club people. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes, we are your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Jasmine. And if you're new here, we are just two peas making a pod about pop culture, current events, and life really as we know it. And trust me, this episode is really no exception. Uh, You may have noticed that we really love a good movie reference around here, Female Fight Club. Mm -hmm. Um, So on this episode, we thought to really uh, flex that movie muscle and talk about the Oscars that are coming up. Yes, the Oscars are coming up on Sunday, April 25th, people. And we thought it would be a really um, a perfect excuse, really, to absolutely binge everything that was nominated, which is not outlandish. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've done this in the past. Mm-hmm. Like one year, Abby and I went and saw almost all of the nominated movies in theaters. Truly, like it's it's oh just for God. the popcorn, like the ketchup seasoning. I know. Abby told me that she ordered <laughs> Uber Eats popcorn, like Cineplex popcorn so uh, during this pandemic. <laughs> and she smelled it and cried. <laughs> It was it was a rough go for me. It was one of the weeks that the pandemic hit me real hard. I know. And I, I ordered movie popcorn and um, I, the bag opened. I may have also done an edible too. And it just <laughs> wafted. And I don't know, the smell just really took me back. And I, I, did, I did cry. I miss theaters, man. Like, ugh, <laughs> that is like one of the first places I'm going to go back to as soon as we can. Um, but anyway... We didn't get to see any of these in theaters. <laughs> so the point is, <laughs> I mean, this is just not nearly, didn't nearly get, get us there. <laughs> but, oh, God. but they might still be worth your time, some of these movies. So, I mean, the list of Best Picture nominations was lengthy. So Abby and I decided to split the list, you know, d- a divide and conquer action. And then we wanted to come on here and tell each other about the ones that we liked and the ones that are maybe overhyped. Yes. And the best part of the Zebo plan is that it will be physically impossible for us to discuss spoilers on here because for most of these movies, one of us has not even seen them. So this is going to be a spoiler free conversation. So we will leave you with impressions and um, tidbits here and there. um, Some interesting things that you I don't know. I don't know about you, but I a lot of these movies that were nominated this year um, required a lot of me like googling along the way fact checking some things here and there so and then from that I just got really into learning about the backstories so um I'll I'll I'll, we can share some of that but we'll be mindful of spoilers here and there yeah like like when that guy dies in that one part (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no that one time where the whole yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) um no it's it was it was a actually a bit of a culture shock though for me too because during this past year I have not watched any kind of serious movie really I've been (laughs) avoiding them like the plague you might say (laughs) yeah you should avoid that (laughs) and um (laughs) and and uh yeah I've just been like sticking to early 2000s cinema just pure like comfort content so this was like and the Oscars love movies that are like super sad like devastating Mm -hmm. profound and oh yeah 
Now, who exactly is the Academy and how do they even choose these movies? And we have already said, yes, they make a lot of them make you think and they're um, incredibly impactful and they love to tell a story. But do people actually see these movies? <laughs> and I think there's one clip that really does sum this up super nicely. And it's by Mr. Rock, first name Chris. Chris Rock, yeah. He did like a little, <laughs> when he was hosting Host. the Oscars a number of years ago, he did this whole bit where he went to an actual <laughs> theater and was like, hey, have you seen like... Have you seen Finding Neverland? <laughs> now, you often hear that Hollywood is out of touch with the rest of the country. So I decided to get out of Hollywood and talk to regular people about the movies. Let's take a look. Did you see Sideways? No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Did you see Finding Neverland? No. No? No. Did you see Million Dollar Baby? Didn't see that. No, I didn't. Did you see Million Dollar Baby? No, I sure didn't. I can't lie, and I'm not going to front to these people out here and tell you, yeah, I've seen it. Did you see Aviator? No. No. Did you see um, White Chicks? Oh, yeah, I love White Chicks. Yeah. Did you see White Chicks? Yes. I love that movie. Did you see White Chicks? Yeah, I've seen that. That was good. (laughs) So the moral of the story is white chicks got snubbed of a fucking Oscar. As did many films. And that could go (laughs) on. We could go on and on on that. I've never felt stronger about anything. When has a comedy ever won an Oscar? Okay. This, okay. This is such a great point. I totally agree. The lack of a comedy category is really hurting the Academy Awards. I think so. Like, we need laughter, please. Yeah. Please award the people who make us laugh. Very much so. So these hit me like a ton of bricks. I watched a lot of them in Mm -hmm. (laughs) the span of two days. And we'll let you know which are the stinkers of the bunch. (laughs) So let's get into it. Hit me. Okay, so the first one that I want to start off with. I'm excited. This one is called Sound of Metal. So I've seen this one, Abby, you have not. The first thing that I thought of, is this a sequel to Sound of Music? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I do have to wonder if they they did that on purpose. I'm excited. Okay, because I also, this is a movie that I have not seen. It's, um, okay, 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I'm going to read the synopsis. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins (gasps) to lose his hearing. Oh, Oh, my Lord. So obviously, and I I was putting off this movie for a long time. This is a very devastating premise. And as I said earlier, I'm a, I am but a fragile being. Mm, Um, I'm real. But it was a really great movie. So Riz Ahmed was the main character mm-hmm. of this movie. What other movie has he been in that I know? I had only seen him in Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. That's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal where he's like obsessed with capturing um, crime news. And right. he does like crazy things to do to, to make sure he gets gotcha. um, his paycheck. It was like, it was like a thriller. It's from 2014. And yes. Riz Ahmed was in that. And it was like a secondary role. I think he was like a, an assistant or a camera guy. I can't remember what it was. Incredible. But fun fact, actually, now that you mentioned that, please, um, is for Riz Ahmed's role in, in Nightcrawler, another person auditioned for it. And that would be Steven Yun. No way. From Minari, Minari, which we'll get to oh. which we'll get to a little later. Who I'm really liking him too. He's really oh, knocking it out of the park. That's cool. I'm also remembering Riz was in Rogue One. 
Oh, was he? I haven't seen yes. that. That was pretty good. Okay, so back to this devastating to, premise, yes. please. Um, so Riz Ahmed got a Best Actor nomination for this, and it's not hard to see why he really, really um, was very devastating in this role. He was also the executive producer of this movie, which I really? thought was interesting. Very involved. Yeah. I like that. It's really like right off the bat, it's just, and this, it gives it away in the trailer, but like, you know, one day he wakes up and he can't really hear as much as he could before. And he's a heavy metal drummer and he like is on tour and they're struggling artists. They're living out of like a trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, going deaf is such an awful thing to happen, no matter who you are, but there is something like distinctly awful about losing your hearing when it's like not only tied to your passion, but your livelihood too. And like Mm -hmm. all of that is coupled with like the inaccessibility of like medical care in the United States. And like, he can't afford the surgery. And it's like, oh my, it's just all these things. And I think clearly a lot of attention was actually paid to sound design and it was nominated in a sound design category. There's just moments. It's in the title. It's in the title. It's the titular role. Okay. (laughs) Um, But there are moments where you sort of like, you're in his point of view and you can hear what he hears and then you hear what the audience hears and they kind of like jolts you back and forth. So very interesting. There's this big issue of him seeing his loss of hearing as like a disability, mm-hmm. as something that can be fixed with money and surgery versus um, you watch him interact with people in the deaf community who don't see it that way, right? They don't see of course. it. They don't see it as a disability. They see it as like a way of life, like a mm-hmm. culture. And it's just interesting to watch the main character wow. kind of come to terms with that and figure out how to like navigate his own um his new reality his own, and his own journey That's, and it does it wow. does like um it does answer some questions you might have about what people with different levels of hearing loss do hear like what the world might sound to them interesting um but yeah no it was a really wow. great a really great movie like really like empathetic storytelling i think a lot of you would um We'd really like this. Watch it with your parents. Watch it for a date night. It's um, yeah. It's okay, a I was about to ask. Can I? Can I? Will I feel cringe at any point? Can I watch this with my with my parents? I think you can watch it. It's it's parent friendly. <laughs> yes, that should be a category as we parent move friendly. Forward. Okay. Well, I I'm very excited to see it. Worth your time. Worth your time. Well, I'm gonna pass the baton on to you. We're gonna go back and forth. So amazing. Okay. So my movie it is Nomadland a Chloe Zhao movie. She's the director. Do you want to read the synop? So disclaimer, I did watch a little bit of this movie as well. Um, Excellent. But, but not um, to the depth that I know that you did. So it, this one got a 94% Rotten Tomatoes rating. So also very high. Mm-hmm. And here is the synopsis. A okay. woman in her 60s who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Hence, nomad land. Okay, Chloe Zhao is the director. Um, She grew up in Beijing, and she's since, I mean, probably in the past couple of years, has been one of the most sought-after directors. Wow. Um, She's the first Chinese woman and first woman of color to be nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. Wow, hell yeah. Heck to the yeah. She's also nominated um, for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Picture. Wow. I really enjoyed this movie. I really did. There was something about it that was 
it it was so simple but mm-hmm. so beautifully shot and so it, it, the premise of it seems for lack of a better word boring but it was so intriguing i don't know it was such a and i think this this is a really big testament to um chloe's style really she's known for using real people in the movie and how it sort of feels like a documentary in a way but still has those beautiful cinematic shots um and it's kind of like a western too right it's like there are it's it takes place in the in the west Mm -hmm. and in like desert areas it was nuts and it's funny that you say um western because chloe has another movie called the rider and it's well, I don't about, know about that one it's it's really good too um but a very similar style that she uses real cowboys in the fucking movie wow um, but this is like a classic thing of her like she um she there's there's three characters in nomadland that are actually real life nomads chloe ended up just asking them if they wanted to be in the movie and they didn't really know who francis mcdormand was <laughs> Amazing. And they just ended up being in it. And isn't that, I just love that. That's the thing about Frances McDormand too. Like when I was watching this movie, I was like, you would not literally ever suspect that she has like a net worth of $30 million. You would never, you would never. She's just so damn, oh God. And especially after three billboards, that was, that was such a, I loved that movie. And you know what I keep forgetting? She was in Almost Famous as well. Yes. And she was in Madeline. <laughs> More importantly, all, That's how all of those, I know her. <laughs> I don't even know her in those other movies. I just know her from Madeline. She's really good in Burn After Reading as well. Oh, I haven't seen that either. I That's a good that. one. You would really, really like big time enjoy mm. that one. Oh my gosh, what are we even thinking? Of course, and then probably one of her famous roles, Fargo. Yeah, I haven't seen Fargo. Guilty. Confession. I haven't either. Oh, I thought you had. I know. I made it seem like I did, but I yeah. have not. So anyway, back to the back to the flick. She absolutely crushed it. Um, you're missing out on some good nomadic life. <laughs> it, she really depicts the true meanings. The good, the bad, and the shitty. And you'll <laughs> get that reference if you've seen it. I mean, do you think this is a best picture contender? What would you say? I, I really would, to be honest. Yeah. I think the reason I would consider it as one of a, a top contenders for myself is, again, to that point where it was incredibly simple, mm-hmm. simply shot, but beautiful and and just so captivating. Um, and, and telling think, a story of, yeah. of, you know, people who find themselves in like a really, you know, precarious circumstance, but they find community with each other. Like the mm-hmm. themes, they're really like, I feel like, Oscars really, you know, eat that kind of thing up as well. Oh my God. Absolutely. I am guilty of Please. doing a tiny bit of research after I, I watched the movie. Also, as I do. listeners, I had to specifically ask Jasmine not to do a deep dive on this. And she goes, yes, I absolutely, Abby, I totally get it. I just, I just had this one anecdote I wanted to share. Um, so, so Frances McDormand did a Vogue interview and she actually said, and this goes back to what you said about the director, Chloe, being mm. super authentic and true to reality. Uh, apparently, Frances McDormand, when she was in her 40s, told her husband, who's the director, Joel Cohen of the Cohen brothers, everybody knows oh. the Cohen brothers. She said to him, when I'm 65, I'm changing my name to Fern. I'm smoking Lucky Strikes, drinking Wild Turkey. Mm-hmm. I'm getting an RV and I'm hitting the road. Wow. 
So that's literally <laughs> like that came true in this movie. Oh my God. I love that. I, I love that. I love that. I love that. I just love her. I just, I really, I personally really liked it. I would be very happy to put it into um, my, maybe my top three. Nice. All righty. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Hit me. Are we, are we ready to move on to the next? Just snowballing yes. off of that. <laughs> I am going to tell everybody and most importantly you, Abby, about mm. the father. Okay. I'm so happy because I have done zero research on this. I don't even know who's yes. in it. I know nothing about it. I heard the father and just thought, can I tell you what I thought? I thought it was going to be about my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We would all love to peel the curtain there. Wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's unpack that right now. Let's get my therapist on the phone. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. The father. I am so excited to tell you about this one because this is the favorite one that I watched of, of the variety that I watched. What? Okay, so let me just go. It's a 98% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Oh my God. Already quite high. Okay. Um, and I have, this isn't actually a synopsis, but it's just a good um, way to put it. So All right. um, at once, both an unsettlingly accurate simulation of what it's like to love someone with dementia and also a strikingly believable conception of what it's like to live as someone with dementia. Florian Zeller's The Father envisions senility, so being senile, senile, as a house of mirrors in which everyone loses sight of themselves. Okay, so let that breathe for a second. Okay, so was it a trippy one? Yes. Okay, so let me just go through the cast. Anthony Please. Hopkins. Oh my, he's just in everything. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> last year you did something you know what he kind of is oversaturated oh, right now god <laughs> but he was really good in this okay and okay. olivia coleman who i also love oh my actually someone recently reached out to us saying that they were going to put olivia coleman in their bunker oh i would oh my god i honestly would put olivia coleman mm -hmm. in my bunker she's so damn funny and she's if hilarious. you guys remember her oscar speech last year my god she's <laughs> just so hilarious i love she's <laughs> Honest, do you remember that speech? You, the speech right now. I'm serious. My kids are at home and watching. Look, well, if you're not, then well, kind of well done. But um, I sort of, sort of hope you are. This is not going to happen again. Um, and uh, uh, and any little girl who's who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. And when I. I, I used to work as a cleaner and I loved that job. I did spend quite a lot of my time imagining this. Oh, please wrap up. Right, okay. And um, uh, she's like, this will not happen again. <laughs> it's like, actually, it will happen again, Olivia, because you are nominated again for this movie. So that will go um, away. <laughs> um, one thing I want to mention before I actually dive in is the F-boy from The Holiday, Kate Winslet's F-boy is also in this movie. Think about F it. F-boy. Oh my God, Jasper. Yes, Jasper. No way. Jasper. <laughs> Jasper. He's in this movie. I hadn't seen him in anything since the holiday. Well, he's still dead to me for doing what he did to And Kate he's Winslet. an ass in this movie too. Well, honestly, then he'll he's, forever be an ass. He's honestly, he's got a knack for it. He's got a talent for being an ass. Um, mm, anyway, okay. Just, this movie, you guys. So Anthony Hopkins always strikes this perfect balance between being very cute and terrifying for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this movie is no exception. Um, so that is as, such a good point. He's cute 
and terrifying. I mean, his Twitter is very nice. It's like him playing classical piano while his cat snuggles up to him. He's wishing everybody a good day. That's incredible. Can you think of anyone else that's cute and creepy? Those are two, like that is, I respect it. I, I respect it too. So basically he's going through memory loss and it switches from his point of view Uh, between his reality and an actual version of reality. And the audience actually has no idea which is which. It's so orienting that it's two different actresses and actors playing his daughter and his son-in-law. So, oh, I know. And it's crazy. So the audience is just as confused. And listen, the trailer gives this away. This is not a spoiler. The Mm. audience is just as confused as... Anthony Hopkins is because we're, we're figuring things out with him. Um, oh, and man. a lot of the movie takes place in his flat. So you're really in the world of the movie. Like you're, there's this like sense that you're kind of trapped in this state of mind with him. Wow. Um, but no, I just thought this was kind of like black mirror. It was like, uh, oh, it nice. leaned into some horror tropes too. Like there's this eerie string music when you realize something's not right. Like I just, mm. it was such, I was at the edge of my seat. I cannot recommend this one enough. I think, um, your nails must be shot because you bite your nails when you get nervous. In movies. <laughs> you are completely shot from this movie. As you know, big question alert. Mm. Do you think it will win an Oscar? Well, I think that the movies that win Oscars are the ones that make the best political point these days. That's I, I, I want to say profound and true. I, I just agree with feel you. like I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I, don't know. I would I agree with that. I know. Maybe it's not Oscar worth like best picture worthy, but it's definitely like it's kind of like it gave me the same feeling that Knives Out did, for example. Oh, okay. I knew that Knives Out wouldn't win best picture, but I really, really, really enjoyed watching it. And I I thought it was an amazing movie. Interesting. Okay. I respect that. And I really like that synopsis. So, so far, we like all the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Being very good critics here. Alrighty. The next two movies I'm very excited to talk about because I think they're extremely important movies. And they're also the ones that I was the most looking forward to out of the whole bunch. When I saw the first movie, which is The Trial of the Chicago Seven by Aaron Sorkin, I didn't know that the second movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, was going to have very similar themes. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. Um, but the first movie that I'm going to be talking about, The Trial of Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin, famous director, mostly a writer, actually. He was a writer for West Wing, um, Moneyball, um, Social Network, Molly's Game, A Few Good Men. Actually, Molly's Game was the first movie he actually directed. Um, mm. But yeah, so let's just get into it. So I have the I have the Rotten Tomatoes rating here. So it's got an 89%. Amazing. What? That's and it? Really? Okay. 76% Metacritic, 7.8 out of 10 for IMDb. So it's a little Okey bit... dokey. Actually, little... you know what? I'll explain in a moment, but that does make a bit, a bit more sense. So the synopsis is, the film is based on the infamous 1969 trial of seven defendants charged by the federal government with conspiracy and more arising from the countercultural protests in Chicago at the 1968 Democratic National Convention, the trial transfixed the nation and sparked a conversation about mayhem intended to undermine the U.S. government. Talk about topical. 
Topical, topical, topical. Okay. So tell me what is, what, so I didn't watch this movie. So I'm, I'm really looking to you here about what you thought of it and what it was like. Overall, I have to say the movie was very interesting. And I actually, maybe this is ignorant, but I really didn't know about the trial and all the, and the riots and the infamous riots of 1968 that went down. Um, I don't know much about them either, honestly. So, it, so I think from, from that lens, it was a great depiction and a sort of a great sort of like a movie, a very Hollywood movie that you want to have that cinematic experience, but also get that first glance of understanding some history. Um, and you always, I think it's important to note that this is a movie. It's not a documentary. It's, it has the cinematic elements. It has the drama that you would want from a movie. Mm. Um, and it tells a story in a different way. Um, so it's, it's not completely factual. And I think that's something that's the thing too. mm -hmm. That's like interesting about movies because a lot of us, like, like we just said, you and I don't know a ton about, you know, Mm -hmm. the, we weren't around when this happened and we may not, we don't, we don't learn a ton of American history unless we actually take those courses in university or, you know what I mean? Like I just, absolutely. I wasn't really uh, privy to that kind of thing. So I don't know a lot about it. And it's movies like this that would, for a lot of people would kind of show me those, those moments in history and maybe like, it'll be like how a lot of people learn and remember about those moments in history. So that's why it can, I think people can react kind of sensitively when it's not a hundred percent, you know. I know it's, 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 it's very important. And I, I think that's going into it. You should know that. And if, especially if you haven't really heard about the trial or the, or the riots in Chicago around this time, um, it's definitely just keep in mind that if you're very interested in it, it's not the only thing that you should be, um, using as so let's your talk about understanding the cast. of it stacked cast, yes okay right? so absolutely rocking yeah. cast rocking i didn't even mm-hmm. eddie redmayne right terrible chicago <laughs> okay, accent though. okay here terrible accent he has sasha Baron cohen yes. frank lagella he's famous but i also he, you, you would know his face more than his name jeremy strong the guy from um What's that? Oh, Succession. Succession. Yeah. Oh my Jeremy God, Strong yes. from Succession. Michael Goddamn Keaton. Wow. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Oh, Joseph I didn't know Gordon that. Levitt. Yep. Um, those are those are the main and also Mark Rylance. I recognized his face when I saw him. You wouldn't know the name. I honestly wouldn't think. And so uh, the reason why I said before that this has ha- this movie has an interesting connection to Judas and the Black Messiah is because um, one of the members, it was one of the members that was on trial was um, Bobby Seale, who is a co-founder of the Black Panther Party. And the Chicago chapter co-founder was Fred Hampton. So hmm. there's kind of, there's some interesting parallels. And I found it, I found it really interesting to see with it, Judas it, and the Black Messiah, right? Yeah. That's about that's about Fred Hampton. Fred and, Hampton, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, did um, they correspond with each other, these I movie think makers? They did. Someone's uh, tapped their wires. Yeah, seriously. I know. But it but it was I I I did enjoy this movie for the 
Hollywood sort of cinematic experience that you were going to get. I found it extremely entertaining, but also moving and emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, I think exactly what you would really want from a sort of movie, very emotional, so many parallels to today. And I felt really strongly and I was very emotional in some scenes. Um, There are times when you have this incredibly daft, unqualified judge who is sentencing and, and, and removing information from the trial, which is also in the trailer um, on purpose. Um, and it just, it makes you so angry mm. in, in a way that really makes, really puts you in the feel. So I enjoyed it. I think Sasha Baron Cohen was absolutely incredible in it. Um, a very light heart, very much to his speed very different than Borat, of course, but also kind of has that, um, I, I was, for some reason, I was able to take him seriously. I love it. So I really enjoyed it. He really blows me away. Honestly, he really, he's extremely versatile. I just because we're just because we're on the topic, um, of Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. The Borat sequel is also <gasps> like made some appearances in yes. the nominations, mainly with the, um, a Best Supporting Actress um, nomination for this relatively unknown actress. Her name is Maria Bakalova. Did you watch this, Abby? I have not yet. So she I'm, was the one that exposed Rudy Giuliani okay, in, that, right. in that scene, right? Yes. <laughs> so she got Best Supporting, and I think Sasha Baron Cohen like plucked her out of like nowhere, and you know really wow. trusted her, and and like and threw her into these. Um, really <laughs> crazy scenes and she kept character uh the whole time so i just wanted to give a shout out to that wow. movie too if anyone uh has not yet seen i like <laughs> amazing um, okay. okay amazing so paralleling trial of chicago 7 i then saw judas and the black messiah you want to give a quick little synop there okay so judas and the black messiah a uh, much higher rotten tomatoes Uh, Score, 96%. Damn! Here's a synopsis. Offered a plea deal by the FBI, William O'Neill infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party to gather intelligence on Chairman Fred Hampton. Huzzah! And that is where we meet Fred again. Let's talk about the cast because I'm obsessed. I know. Okay, so if you... you, We we spoke about Get Out. Hello. Get in. (laughs) Daniel Kaluuya. And Main character, Lakeith Stanfield. Whomst I love. You love him. <laughs> I love would him you, both, but... Would you marry him? No, but he was really good and sorry <laughs> no. to bother you. <laughs> oh, yes. That was also a really good movie. Very Black Mirror-like as well. I know. Loved that. Those two are um, cool. I'm yeah. super happy for their success. And then also Jesse Ple- Plemons, I believe. He is married to Kirsten Dunst. And he's the guy that shot that in, in, uh, in Breaking Bad. Oh my God. He was the worst. He plays the worst character. He always does. You know what? He's actually in a Black Mirror episode as well. And he plays a shit bag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the space one. Yeah. Very weird. I hope um, the audience knows huh. exactly who we're talking about. I really hope. And if you I don't, also think that him and Kristen Dunst look alike. They do. They're brother and sister. <laughs> and they're married. And Siblings they're married. are dating. <laughs> That's a great game we should play. Okay. Tell me about this movie. Okay. Again, very similar to my my thoughts on the trial of Chicago Seven. I again knew of Fred Hampton. I knew um, he was he was especially after seeing the previous movie. I had known some of his legacy. I didn't know in depth, and 
this was a great way to sort of get to know um, more about the Black Panther Party, the movement, the, the man behind it in the Chicago chapter, um, learning more about it, it, it just really was incredibly enlightening and empowering um, to see how these Black voices were, yeah. were, were elevated and how the system really didn't have a place for them. I haven't seen the movie and the trailer made me cry like deeply because of how intense I could see the movie would be. And like, I think the music got to me and the chanting and like. Mm -hmm. I need everybody to be there to me. I am a revolutionary. Something that I absolutely loved and I found it after as well, the scenes when Daniel Kaluuya, so Fred Hampton, who he mm-hmm. plays, is giving speeches, a lot of the speeches were actually his, what he said. Yeah. Aww. And and it, I love that. And some his, his words were just so powerful and the, the oh, it was just really incredible. Historical accuracy, people. On that note of historical accuracy. Oh yeah. How did this movie do in the history books? Thank you for asking because I was listening to a podcast that our dear tech producer Armand had suggested knowing that I had already seen the movie and Jasmine hadn't. They actually, there was a a podcast and I'll get the name of it in a moment. I forget Antifada. Antifada. They actually interviewed a previous Black Panther Party member Mm. and I think overall his feelings toward it and the representation of his this his friend and all of all of his friends mm. at this time and people that he had known he had very mixed feelings about it as well. He said it was great that people were talking about it, talking about Fred especially, but felt that there were some inaccuracies that needed to be overlooked and I don't want to go too I mean I could very well go very mm-hmm. deep into um into some of these inaccuracies but I think it's just he, good to watch a movie yeah. and then, you know, I, hopefully it inspires people to do research about, you know, the Absolutely. actual people and, 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 and this, the true story that, that actually occurred. Mm-hmm. And it honestly was, yeah, I, I, I won't give too much away, but there's, I mean, obviously we know what hi, we know history and we know that Fred Hampton was murdered. Um, and we know that this story being told through the eyes of the FBI informant that led him to his death. Um, it, it was a very interesting take on the movie or, or a very interesting take on a piece of history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I, the, the storytelling was, was there. Maybe yeah. some of the, maybe it was not as historically accurate as it could have been. But again, this is the point of, getting that cinematic experience and then learning about it later, which I ended up doing. And, and now I feel like I know a bit more about this time period, the very important time period. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it and I highly going, recommend. going down the, the rabbit hole. Okay. Let's segue into a movie that we both saw a while ago <laughs> before it was even nominated. Um, this one is called promising young woman. Uh, we are going to, yes. Bear with us because we friggin' loved this movie. This movie was my favorite movie out of all the categories. And I'm honestly 
pissed off to report that it only got a 90% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Like I, oh my God. I can't even imagine why this is higher. I'm so mad. Let me read the, the synopsis. So nothing in Cassie's life is what it appears to be. She's wickedly smart, tantalizingly cunning, and she's living a secret double life by night. Now, an unexpected encounter is about to give Cassie a chance to right the wrongs from the past. Uh, this synopsis gives you no information Nothing. about Nothing. what the movie is actually about. Um, let me just, okay, Carrie Mulligan is in it. She's the main character and she's basically- Incredible. It, this is a revenge thriller. It's a, like it's like a feminist mm-hmm. revenge thriller. Yes. Um, and it's a Me Too themed and it's talk and it's and it's about, you know- uh, toxic male culture and structures that kind of terrorize women and get away with it. Yes. Is that fair to say? Very, very fair. Um, and Bo Burnham <laughs> is in this movie. Yes. Who is, I've, I mean, he's from YouTube, right, Abby? YouTube was where he really got big. And then from there, he sort of was, uh, he became just like a, sta- a stand-up dude and then did some other comedy stuff, writer. I think he was a musician for a bit as well. Interesting. Okay. So Bo Burnham, he's on the map these days. A lot of familiar faces. Like you said, Bo Burnham, Sam Richardson, Adam Brody. Oh, yeah, Mc- Adam Brody was yeah. in it. McLovin. McLovin makes an appearance. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. Right? And not a good one. And good one. Uh, Max Greenfield from New Girls. Yes. Schmidt. And Laverne Cox. What the hell? Oh my gosh. We're missing so many. Jesus. Yeah, no, it was stuck. And it was, yeah, it was a really, we really highly recommend this one. Um, I think Carrie Mulligan got a best actress nomination out of it, which is also pretty rad. I would say she is fucking iconic. I just, I just, she was so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could go on and the director, Emeril Fennell, female director, I think she did a fantastic job. Yeah. And just, and I think this gives it away in the, in the trailer. So it's, it's about um, like Carrie Mulligan is a woman who's like basically trying to avenge the death of her best friend um, who was a victim of sexual assault. And, and it's about kind of like, it's it's about tracking down the people who ruined someone's life and it does so in a really empowering way. And she's, and it's, and it's, it's like a, it's a thriller and it's actually also a black comedy in some ways as well. I think people are saying, yeah, um, I would say so for sure. So what did you think of this movie, Abby? What were your, cause you're the one that told me to watch this way back oh when my God. this movie really spoke to me and I absolutely loved it. I think it's so important. And I think also everyone men and women should both see this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's use of the notorious quote, nice guys are really sort of flipped on its head. Um, this, this movie also, I shit you not put Paris Hilton, the stars are blind back on my playlist. People. Yes, there is such an important sequence in this movie <laughs> featuring Paris Hilton stars are blind. song I'm sorry are you singing Paris Hilton? yeah oh okay yeah (laughs) stop it Sorry, but that is just genuinely, objectively a good song. I don't care if she didn't write it or even sing it, but Paris Hilton rocks in that song. Absolutely. Now, I know 
we're we're talking about like sexual assault and revenge and somehow it being like a dark comedy. It really is. It really does draw on that. And I think it's just, like we said, an important movie that people need to see. Yeah. And And like it's friendship between women and it's, and it's um, like a lot of the themes were really deep. I thought like it was about like the lengths that you'll go to not only protect your best friend, but defend her. Defend her. Yeah. Like that part really made me emotional. And like, just thinking about like, if anything like that happened to somebody you knew and like the, what you wouldn't do. I know. And then also how like the the importance and how much accountability means Mm -hmm. and how strong an apology can go. Yeah. A really good thinker, not a stinker. It'll leave you, um, feeling all of the emotions it'll make you laugh it'll make you cry it'll make you angry it'll make you all the things so that being said I don't know if it will win best picture again because why don't I think it will I don't know I don't think it will and I'm so upset because I think it should maybe it's because the the academy isn't ready to take Paris Hilton seriously I heard she's uh, she's up for an Oscar for best uh, score. <laughs> best original song. <laughs> <laughs> oh that, my God. That's really who got snubbed this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, obviously Abby and I would give this a 10 out of 10. So please 10 watch out it. Of fucking 10. Okay, so I'm going to segue to a movie that was not nominated for best picture, but there were two best actor slash actress nominations coming out of it. This is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, I haven't seen this one. Yes. So I decided to watch this one. It's on Netflix and it's with Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. 98% Rotten Tomatoes rating. So that's very high. Um, And the synopsis is as follows. Tensions rise when trailblazing blues singer Ma Rainey and her band gather at a recording studio in Chicago in 1927. So this movie is about, it's mostly about Chadwick Boseman's character who plays like a trumpet player for Ma Rainey, who was a real, um, a real singer back in the day. She was really big in the twenties. She was basically called the mother of blues. Um, and Viola Davis killed it in this role. Like I, I mean, in true fashion, I was like Googling the real Ma Rainey and comparing the songs and the, the appearance in it. Turns out she's not. Um, okay. But it's, so she's a fraud. So, unfortunately, so I, I hope it doesn't it doesn't jeopardize her her best actress win though because her performance was still so friggin' good. It was really okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her mannerisms, I think, were really authentic to whom to how Maureen actually was. Like she kind of like moans when she talks, oh, and she's God. got this diva ness to her. I love that. It was really great, but I I want to talk about Chadwick Boseman because. I mean, he got, he he got a best actor nomination out of this and it was really um, great to see him in a role like this, right? He's got like a, Mm -hmm. like an accent, like a New York twenties accent. And he's, he already won the golden globe best actor for this actually. And a SAG award already for this role. So it's being received really well. He delivers this one like really powerful monologue, which maybe I'll play a little bit of now. Ain't none of my business. You spooked up by the white man. <laughs> All right, see, that's the shit I'm talking about. Y'all back up and leave Levy alone. Oh, come on, Levy. We was all just having fun. Yeah. So you know he said nothing about you. He ain't said about me. You just taking it all wrong. <laughs> ain't meant nothing by it, Levy. Levy got to be Levy. 
And he don't need nobody messing with him about the white. You don't know nothing about me. You don't know, Libby. You don't know nothing about what kind of blood I got, what kind of heart I got beat here. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I could, I could definitely see this winning him an Oscar. Do I think wow. it's like the, the career-defining role for him or like the role that everybody will remember him by not necessarily like I don't think it's possible for him to um to top Black Panther it's not bigger than Black Panther yeah like I mean it's but I am happy that he um has these honors right um post-mortem and so good and I mean okay to the movie, uh, the only other thing I'll say about it is there's, I noticed that there is something very theatrical and like almost campy about it. And then I realized it's literally based on a play. So it's like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Like the dialogue is very like fast and it feels like a musical, but it's like not really a musical. How you doing, and, sweetheart? Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's Jack Bing, Morning Gazette. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's very saturated. Lots of, it leans into the cliches and yes. it's, a, it's a great watch. I, I definitely Should I watch would recommend it. I should watch it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so let's talk about Minari. We need to talk about Minari and we need to especially at least dedicate five whole minutes, and I'm going to count them, to Stephen Young's glow up. Oh From my God, From Walking yes. Dead to this, yes. very fucking cool. Very cool. I think he's he's about to be like, I mean, what else is he in? As a Walking Dead. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually just don't for a second mayhem yeah I hadn't like I hadn't seen because I've never oh I think he's in sorry to bother you actually but I don't know who oh yeah he's just a support he's like a supporting role he's done a lot of voice acting like legend of Korra oh yeah and like cool. this other movie called the star but I would say like mainstream media he's not he's not very much in it no other yeah, than he's breaking through it I think right he's now he's really breaking through and Honestly, I just like so respect it. I think it was so cool that he was able to do the movie mostly in Korean. Um, he starred in other Korean movies, I believe. Um, but he's also set to be in a new Jordan Peele movie. Oh, love that. Okay, but let he's me just riding. Let me do the um synopsis. Please. Okay, Minari got a 98% uh rating on Lit. Rotten Tomatoes. It, it it should be mentioned. Um, and here's the synopsis. So a Korean American family moves to an Arkansas farm in search of its own American dream. Amidst the challenges of this new life is the strange and rugged Ozarks. They discover the undeniable resilience of family and what really makes a home. I love that. I know. It's just so good. So I did see, I I did see, I did see this movie disclaimer. Did did you love it? Did you love it, Jasmine? Yeah, it was really, um, it pulled at the heartstrings. It really did. Something that I, I especially just really want I, I, it's so important and having these accurate, like actually accurate portrayals of Korean bodies and Asian and Asian families in these movies and in such important movies that the importance of getting even just minute details correctly just makes you feel ultra represented and just Mm. really just tugs, especially at the heartstrings. Um, a, a friend of ours, Clara sent an article to me and she was saying, how there's a scene in the movie where the mom of this adorable, adorable young boy, Stephen Young's child, is getting like his ear checked or something. And it's mm-hmm. a very popular, very common thing in Korean culture to 
have your ears cleaned by your parents or your grandparents or something like that. So even just minute details like that, from some of the food that they're eating to popular, um, I don't know, popular songs that are played. It's just, it really just especially pulls at those heartstrings and it really goes to show that representation matters. Yeah. Honestly, I felt like when, when I was watching the movie, I could tell that some of those intricate moments, because a lot of it, it's not like it's an action packed movie, right? Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's really like, it's all about in between the lines and there's, it goes from like sort of mundane scenes to mundane scenes. And what you're noticing is not like, again, it's not like terribly action packed, but it's more about looking at the relationships to like, you know, the relationships between the members of the family, the relationship Mm -hmm. to the land and themselves. And like, you just see them like really come into their own in some ways. And then again, through these really like small little details, you could just tell it was so authentic. Um, A a tweet that Steven said, um, I'm so proud that this film can be made um, and is part of the canon of Asian American cinema. So just, it really is, I think. I mean, you have Parasite as a best picture winner last year. Um, mm-hmm. And then just off the bat, coming out coming out hot with a, another amazing Korean movie. Just incredible. Yeah. And the little kid, the little boy. Okay. If he's... I'll die I, for him. I'll die for him. <laughs> I will honestly die for him. What's his name? Alan Kim, I think. Yeah. And right now you're going to hear his adorable acceptance speech when he cries. When he, yeah, his acceptance speech when he wins the Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Young Performer. Thank you. First of all, I'd like to thank the critics who voted and my family, Isaac, Christina, Doug. Oh my goodness, I cried. Oh my God. He, yeah, the, I mean, I, again, I hadn't seen Minari before seeing this clip of his acceptance speech and I cried. I literally started crying. <laughs> Were you not crying? I was I crying. absolutely was. The oh way my God. he's just overcome with emotion. Like he's like totally fine and together. And then when they call his name, he just bursts mm. into tears. Do my we think God. it was fake? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do we think he did it for attention? <laughs> no, he's such a little son of a gun. I think he's so freaking cute and so talented. It was just adorable also to see his relationship with his grandma. Like this is something, I feel like we don't get a lot of, um, we don't see that very often. No, it was, I thought it was really heartwarming. I loved it. hundred percent. Now, do you think, and I hate that the Oscars are so political like this, but do you think we'll have two back-to-back Korean films win Best Picture? I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. If they, if it was, yeah, I would love it. I would love it. I would love it. I don't think it's like a oh, we're not going to do it because it's too um, Korean films in the row. I don't Mm -hmm. like. I don't necessarily know if that's the um, if that would be a deciding factor. But at the same time, I mean these these award shows try to be extremely sensitive now to, to political realities because they've been called out so much in the past for, for not highlighting um, stories from people of color. So easily Mm -hmm. this could go to, I mean, like we said, Judas and the black Messiah could, could easily take this home as well, but not because of these superficial reasons, but because they were probably actually very incredible movies. They honestly really, really were. 
Um, okay. So I want to tell you about Mank because this is the last one on our list now. Oh my God. Is that all? <laughs> yes. So many movies. I also, this is one that I haven't seen, but I, the only thing I know about it is that Gary Oldman's in it and Amanda Seyfried, who is in Mamma Mia. And if you're in Mamma Mia, I already love you. So <laughs> exactly. So a little bit lower of a Rotten Tomatoes rating. And I would have to agree. Okay. Um, 83%. That's the lowest that we that we've heard on this pod so far. The synopsis is as follows. 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing wit and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish Citizen Kane. Have you seen Citizen Kane, Abby? Okay. No. <laughs> I had to watch Citizen Kane for a film class seven oh. years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Put your um, film hat on. It Because I remember it was known as the best movie ever made by, I don't know who, because I couldn't meaningfully <laughs> tell you what was going on in that film, but I have a paper somewhere that pretends I did know. There's it's, something, there's a joke I know about Rosebud. The premise of the movie is finding out why someone said Rosebud. I don't know. I'm like, if there's any film buffs listening, then I'm, I apologize. Listen, like I'm, I'm doing my best. This is a David Fincher movie. Oh yes. Wait, what else he did? Um, he did fight club. Female fight club. Hey, hey. Fight club seven. Gone he did seven. girl. That, yeah. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh. And you'll notice a lot of these movies that he's done, they have this like really like dark contrasty quality to them. It's oh, like yes. his signature thing. And this move, this, this movie Mank is no exception. So, okay, I'm going to go through the cast. Lily Collins makes her Emily in Paris rebound in oh this movie. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I definitely think I prefer seeing her in period pieces as long as she's not writing <laughs> shitty Instagram <laughs> captions on a bad Netflix show, then I think I'm good. <laughs> so, honestly, she wore it well in this movie. Like, mm. you know, it takes place in the, in the 1930s. And I think she Almost has that Almost forgiven. Almost and- forgiven. As you mentioned, Abby, Amanda Seyfried is also in this, and she scored a Best Supporting Actress nomination for really? it. Really? Good for her. Um, who is the guy from Game of Thrones, the father of the Lannisters? Daddy Lannister is in it. Oh. Tywin? Tywin. Tywin Lannister is in it as well. Interesting. Um, and then Gary Oldman obviously plays the titular role of Mank, who is Herman... Jay Mankiewicz. Um, honestly, hmm. you guys, I didn't finish this movie. All right. I, it was long. It was Don't offensively bother. long. Wow. I, it was about two hours and 15 minutes. I'm a fan of the tight 90, which is <laughs> an, just a quick hour and 30 minutes. Um, it I, I'm partial to the now. 90. Um, so, so I was offended. This was offensively long. Um, so while this movie was going on, it was just the kind of thing where like, okay, the men call the women mm. schnutz. It's the old Hollywood vernacular. Cigar Aye, smoke schnutz. is everywhere. If you blink for a second, you've missed like 30 minutes of dialogue. Oh my you know God. I mean? So it's like active two and a half hours. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot. And, and it's very politically charged. Like the only fun fact about Mankiewicz that, that I thought was interesting and I got this from the Wikipedia page, is that mm-hmm. he was one of the screenwriters of Wizard of Oz. Okay, now that's, that's fun. And Would he I... was the reason that Kansas was such a big part of that movie. He thought that viewers had to relate to Dorothy in the real world before being transported to the magical land of Oz. Okay, so he brought us that 
<laughs> like it was also his idea to put like the Kansas sequence in black and white okay. and then Oz bits in color. So I was like, okay. Okay. He brought us the first motion picture that had color. I think, yeah, essentially. Exactly. And so, yeah, he was like a screenwriter who helped Orson Welles write Citizen Kane. So he wasn't I like see. the director of Citizen Kane, but he was one of the screenwriters. So, and that's all I have to say about that movie. Like if you all like right. Hollywood glam and you like <laughs> that's history, what you're into, I mean. uh, then maybe this is the movie for you. And if you, again, if you're not partial to the tight 90, then be my guest. <laughs> I have to say that I really do love, that's such a shame because I love Gary Oldman. And I love, as I said, Amanda, we're on a first name basis. So I'm sorry, Amanda, I won't be watching your movie. Well, maybe, maybe I'll give it a second shot. Maybe you should give it a second chance as well. But I think maybe mm. I was just, my brain was fried from all Oscar movies. <laughs> That's fair. Alrighty, people. Well, the Oscar will have to go to someone on April 25th, which is happening very, very quickly. So if you don't know which ones to watch, which ones not to, I hope we gave you like a good depiction on which ones you guys should. And listeners, I hope you guys give us feedback on the ones that you really liked as well. Let us know who you think will take home the Oscar on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and thank you as always for listening. We're having so much fun doing this pod. Absolutely. It's just been so much fun doing this. Um, I'd, I'd like to thank... I'd like to thank the Academy mainly. My mom, you know, you dream about this day um, when you're a little girl. I'd like to thank the Sound of Kalama for making our music. <laughs> I'd like to thank at Haley Ewan's Art for doing our incredible cover. We couldn't have done it without you. Yeah, we really, and we really wouldn't be here either without the help of, of both <laughs> Matt and Armand with their editorial input. And they really believed in us the whole time. Absolutely. <laughs> we love you. Oh, I think, Abby, I think we're getting cut oh, off. Wait, what? Oh my gosh. Um, well, you can like, comment, subscribe to our channel and, um, and goodbye, forget me not, and good day.